thank you for listening in to our prayer cast from AfriChrist Prayer Ministries, the ministry that reaches out to the busy person, the millennials, the professionals of all fields, and to the under-church, uh, often unreached people. We believe the scripture that says that the steps of a righteous person are ordered of the Lord. We also believe, just like Jesus did and the disciples, Paul and the prophets of old, that our prayers should have impact every time. And so we believe in praying with impact in our ministry. Jesus never prayed a prayer that failed, and he never sent out a command that didn't achieve its intended purpose. He prayed and commanded with words of impact. We are confident that the Bible-based prayer principles that we teach never fail. The Bible says that God's word never comes back to him void. If our prayers are initiated of the Holy Spirit, as it says in Romans 8, then they will never come back void to us. We would appreciate if we recommend our prayer cast to your friends. Uh, we would also appreciate if you recommend our app, AfriChrist, to your friends. This app can be downloaded from the Apple App Store and also the Google Play Store, and it reaches out to people like you. Thank you once again, and may God bless you as you're listening. Hello, prayer friends. Welcome once again to our podcast, AfriChrist Prayer Podcast. We are delighted and very blessed to have you listening in to us, and thank you for downloading once again. I'd like to remind you that we can be uh, found on any podcast outlet out there. So like if you are on Spotify, you can find us. Apple Podcasts, you can find us. Google Podcasts, you can find us. Pandora, you can find us. Amazon, Alexa, you can find us. Or if you just want to use your browser, just go in your browser and type in africrisepodcast.com and there you'll find us. So we are everywhere, all over the world. You can get us anytime. So now I'd also like to remind you today that our app, AfriChrist, has been updated to version 2.0. So if you're a Google person or an Android person, just go on Google Play and you'll find us there. If you're an iOS or Apple person, you just go on the Apple App Store and you're going to find us there. All you got to do is type in AfriChrist. That's good enough, but you can say AfriChrist Prayer Ministries, and there we are. And if you already have our app, all you got to do is click on it, and it will automatically update. We are very thankful. Now, also, our top downloaders were from the U.S., then next was Canada, Germany, United Kingdom, Australia, Malaysia, Uganda, Lithuania, Nigeria, Singapore and South Africa. We are grateful for each and every one of you. Thank God that you're downloading and you're learning. And I want you to pray with impact. That's the idea for this podcast. Thank the Lord that we are able to reach you wherever you are. You could be in the remotest village anywhere in the world, even in the air, you can get us. Now, today our topic is going to be entitlement. Entitlements can be used the correct way as they should be, or they can be used the wrong way. Now, what we're going to be doing, we are going to go in um, entitlement to learn that it's a privilege to serve, okay? We are also going to see entitlement as a privilege, answered prayer. And then we shall also see entitlement as a relationship between you and God, you and the one providing you those entitlements. We shall also see 
that the correct way to use entitlement requires good character, especially a spiritual character. Now, we will see some abuses of entitlements from the Bible and also from the world we live in. Okay? And then also we shall see uh, what spirits drive entitlement. There is the selfish spirit. There is the, the spirit of Ebenezer, as I call it. Now, that's my own word I use, the spirit of Ebenezer the opposite of which is the spirit of selfishness. So entitlement, you're going to see that it can be grabbed by the wrong spirit or you can stay in the spirit that God made it to stay in, which is the spirit of Ebenezer. And I'll tell you what Ebenezer means because a lot of people misunderstand that word or that term or that name. Okay, Then we shall also see the social entitlements. How are they abused? Can we relate can we show it in the Bible? Can we show it in the real world that we are living in out here? Not that the Bible is not a real world, but I mean the down to earth here on earth. How is it used wrong? Okay, so we shall really have a good ride today. I promise you that. Okay, so now let's get started. Now, I just want to first begin by uh, defining what entitled and entitlement is from the English dictionary. Believing oneself to be inherently deserving of privileges or special treatment, that is being entitled. Entitlement is the fact of having a right to something. Now you can see the difference here. One is believing oneself to be inherently deserving, but the term itself means that it's a fact of having a right to something. So we have this fact, and depending on our belief system or our character, we can go one way or the other, and you're going to see it. Now, the Bible demonstrates to us that entitlement is a gift, and it comes with uh, salvation uh, through the uh, unmerited favor of grace. Okay, But we also are going to see in the Bible that it's a privilege to serve. It's not just that you get this entitlement and then that's it. Or you are born again, you're saved, and then that's it. No, we're going to see that it's a privilege to serve. And it's not just to serve, but a privilege to do that service, okay? Uh, however, its upkeep requires certain characteristics, okay? The characteristics of integrity, faith, and obedience. Mark those three because you're going to see them. You have to have integrity, you have to have faith, and you have to have obedience. They go hand in hand. Those are the characteristics that you will see very clearly in scripture references that I give you. It's a balance sometimes between skill and assignment and character. See, you may have the skill to sing. You may have the assignment to sing. Your character may lead you to sing pornographic songs. Or your character may lead you to sing songs that um, build people. They don't have to be religious, Christian. Your character leads you that way. So, you know, that's what I mean when I say that it, it could be sometimes as a balance between skill, assignment, and character. Okay, say for example, you may be a skilled politician. And your assignment may be do, uh, to lead a, a certain country or a certain organization in, within the government. But your character is going to determine how you do it. You could be corrupt, you could be a tyrant, or you could just be a good leader. And in the Bible, it's there too. We shall see a king whose character was flawed and it caused the Lord to pull away their kingdom from them. 
see, one may have the title, skill, or even the anointing, say, to minister the gospel, but bad character will lead to a corrupted display of entitlement. We've seen that in the church too. We've seen people who God has anointed, God has given big ministries, but their character lets them down. It's all over the place. So it's not just for um, people who are in the secular world, but it's also for people in ministry. Yeah, we shall see the example of Saul and the sons of Eli and Samuel. One can be entitled, but be rejected. We'll see it in King Saul, and we shall also see it in the sons of Eli and also the sons of Samuel. Now don't forget, these people are in, uh, have entitlements. Why? Saul was anointed and called by God to be king. Samuel's sons were supposed to be the next judges after Samuel. The sons of Eli were supposed to be ministers of the gospel. But all of them, all those three characters, they missed out on using the entitlements the right way. So many today are operating, but they are really being already rejected by God, whether in leadership of some kind or be um, in ministry. Okay. So now let us see this. What's the privilege of answered prayer? In the area of prayer, God will answer our prayers again as a privilege of entitlement manifested through his love and mercy and underguarded by our faith and trust in him and his word. So you see, yes, God is going to answer our prayers. Yes, we are entitled. And we shall see a scripture why we say we are entitled to get these answers. But you know what? God doesn't have to answer them the way we are because our character, spiritual character, is going to make a difference. See, effective prayer, unlike reading or studying the word of God, as I've said before, is necessarily a relationship-dependent um, action. Okay, So, for God to answer your prayers in the way that he has planned them to be answered, which is always good for you, it has to be relationship-based. Is dependent on your relationship with God. And we shall see that. I know that can be real difficult to understand, but we are going to see that. One may read the Bible for other motives. You may read it as a literature piece. Many of us have taken um, college classes or high school classes, and it was a, a, um, a religious course, and we read the Bible. But that doesn't mean that there's a relationship between us and God. But for prayer, it's different. We have to have that relationship for you to say, I'm praying to God. There has to be a relationship. Now, I didn't say that you have to be righteous. No, you have to have that relationship. And the Bible is full of people who have done so many wrong things. But you know what? They have a relationship with God and he listens to and hears their prayers. Okay. Actually, Jesus refers to this as worshipping in truth and in spirit. See, we may look at worshipping as singing song, and it could be, but you know, worshipping even in song is really a way we pray to God because it's a, it's a communication, it's a diet going two ways. He talks to us, he talks to our spirit, and we talk to him. That's the relationship that uh, causes a fellowship with him. And by his Holy Spirit, we have that fellowship with God. Our spirit and his spirit, the Holy Spirit, 
connect and then we get that fellowship or that relationship with God and he is the mighty maker of the universe but he has given us a way to communicate with him through his spirit John 4:23-24 says but the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the father in spirit and in truth for the father seeketh such to worship him god is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth okay that's what god wants us to do that's what jesus who knows how to worship who knows how to pray he gave us that um instruction on how to get in touch with god now entitlement is a relationship and it's a reflection of your character as we have said before and i'm going to show you something here it's an ongoing and a continuous relationship it means that we have to work at it and stay in course okay and it's daily this kind of relationship is where you form your character you know as stated above one of the motives of studying the bible may be say literature However, however when it comes to prayer this is a dyad. What does a dyad mean? It means a two-way street. You talk to them and they talk back to you. God actually talks to us. He communicates with us. See the word talk, don't think it's a loud sound that you have to make because that's how we understand when we say God talks to us. People always say, "Oh, so you talk to God? Oh, so God talks to you?" They don't realize it's a communication. See, if you have a radio here, or actually <laughs> the podcast you're listening to, we are communicating. I am talking to you. You're communicating back to me with your ears. But guess what? If you move whatever you're using to listen to me somewhere else where you can't hear me, it doesn't mean that the podcast stop but there is no communication between us two there's no dyad but when you come and bring it within your sense of hearing then there is a communication between us but somebody else may come say if you have your headphones on someone may who has never seen earphones may say what is he doing why is he grunting to himself he's crazy but for you you know that you're listening to someone because you have the headphones on and you can hear but they cannot hear because they have absolutely no idea what earphones do that's exactly what happens with us when we pray a lot of people you know don't understand that god is talking to us through a spirit to spirit as we have seen that scripture in john 4 uh, 23 24 the, he says but the hour cometh and it is now in fact he's saying it's not a uh, way out there in heaven no it is presently now when true worshipers that is the people who have their worship headphones on shall worship him the father in what spirit and truth spirit is our communication spirit is our headphones okay so when you're talking to god you're talking to god who already communicates with you he uses his spirit as your headphones so you can listen to him people mock me all the time but then they end up seeing the things that uh, i may end up doing after god talks to me then they say how you do that how did you do that that's how because god spoke to me 
Okay. So now, if we go further with this relationship, okay, First Peter three twelve says this: The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right, and His ears are open to their prayers. But the Lord turns His face against those who do evil. See, to pray with impact, it calls for us to abide in Him for guidance. That's what the Bible says. Uh, Jesus says that uh, in. Uh, John 15, 4 through 5, Abide in me and I in you. When you abide in God, he hears you. He answers your prayers. And we shall see actually another scripture which uh, tells us that God does hear and see. And I'm just setting up the groundwork for you to see how entitlements work. Once you see that, let me tell you, you will never pray another prayer that God will not quote-unquote answer because you will be using your entitlement to prayer. And we shall see a scripture that tells us that, okay? See, God is the one who entitles, and he is the power and the authority behind entitlement. We should never forget that. So whatever we do or however we operate, it must reflect the love and character of God. The character of God is what is going to make you uh, use your entitlements powerfully and in the right way. If you say you're entitled, watch your character. Don't misunderstand God's character as being, oh, he's always you know, walking so holy, he's always praying and has the Bible. No, I'm not talking about that, even though that's part of it. I'm talking God's character. You listen to him. He talks to you, he guides you, and he directs you. You see, Jesus said that he never does anything except what he sees his father do. We are able in the spirit realm to see what God would have us to do. And then when you do that, you are going to be walking in the character of God, okay? Entitlements therefore comes with the responsibility. You know, Paul counseled the Thessalonians, um, uh, about this kind of character in their ministry. Thessalonica was a very rich area at the time compared to other areas during the gospel times of uh, Paul. They depended so much on what they had and who they were. And so they had kind of confused or lost their way, even those who are Christian. And Paul wanted to remind them who they were, okay? Say, for example, some of them, they were so busy doing things, they, they were getting lazy. They thought, oh, I'm entitled, and so I don't need to do this. And we see that in church today. People think they're entitled to something without work. No, 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 no. There are some people indeed in the gospel or in the church who God has called to just do nothing but um, things of church, Okay. Say if you're a pastor or if you're a minister. And some of them, by the way, they kind of uh, go both ways until that time when they just have to devote their lives to nothing but the gospel. And Paul is talking about these people here in that kind of um, uh, stage where, you know, they are going in between. But, you know, even like today, a lot of people, they become born again, they become Christians. And they start wishing for all these things. In the name of Jesus, I checks are on my way and they are coming. Listen, checks are a reward for work. So you don't expect a free check if you didn't work. And that's what um, Paul is telling the people of Thessalonica. And in fact, this is one of the ways we as Christians 
abuse entitlements that we are entitled to, okay? So what does he say in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6 through uh, 12? I'll use uh, this one. I'm going to use the uh, New King James. It says this, But we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw from every brother who walks disorderly and not according to the tradition which he received from us. For you yourselves know you ought to follow us, for we were not disorderly among you. Character, remember? Nor did we eat anyone's bread free of charge, but worked with labor and toil night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you, not because we do not have authority, but to make ourselves an example of how you should follow us. See that? Not that we don't have authority, not that we don't have entitlement, but to make ourselves an example of how you should follow us. Even when we were with you, we commanded you this, If anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. For we hear that there are some among you who walk in disorderly manner, not working at all, but are busybody. Now those who are such, we command and exhort through our Lord Jesus Christ that you work in quietness and eat their bread. See what he's saying? In other words, this entitlement that you have, you are abusing it. You are supposed to work. And he uses the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, he said, follow us. But see, he's really saying, follow me as I follow Christ. This is not just their instruction. This is as they themselves get it from the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why he repeats two or three times here that in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that they work in quietness and eat their own bread. Now, when he says that, he's saying that, Eat your own food. Don't sit and just be a pest on others. Do your own thing. Depend on what God has given you. Use your entitlement correctly. Don't come up here and say, in the name of Jesus, checks are going to come, but not for free. So that's what Paul is saying. Do not abuse your entitlement just because you are entitled. Remember what we said about entitlement. We said what? believing oneself to be inherently deserving of privilege or special treatment you are believing okay you are believing but then he goes on to define what the noun is or what entitlement itself is the fact of having a right to something and we have seen here he says that not because we don't have authority which is the right but he's saying but we worked even though we had the authority or the right to these entitlements. So just because you're a Christian, just because you've been born again, just because you have these entitlements, it does not mean that you do not work. You have to work. Many people are abusing these entitlements and Paul here is saying, uh-uh, that should not be. Okay? Now, there are some flaws and abuses as we have seen in the generational sense as well. Okay, sense of entitlement resulting in sins that cannot be atoned. Actually, that happened to the sons of Eli, as we shall see. Uh, um, people who feel entitled end up abusing and hurting others. For example, your father owns a business. Your father is the uh, governor of a state. Your father is the head of a state, of a country. 
And you think just because you're a child of a head of state or a governor of a state, a CEO of a company, you can just walk in and get what you want. What you're going to be doing, you'll be hurting other people. Either you'll be hurting them by depriving them of what is due them, or you're going to abuse the power that your father has. And we see that in political circles where people think that because their father is the head of this, they can just go on and abuse people. And that is very common, actually, in third world nations where um, the children of heads of state, they, they, they just go rampant and they, they, they take this, they take money from government and they think that they are entitled because their father is the head of a state. And it's not just in Africa. It's in uh, many other countries of the third world. Now, it's not that it's not happening in the other countries, but it's much harder because they have been established longer in their systems. They have systems, they are checks and balances, but their abuse is there too, but in a different way. But one of the things that the abusers usually do, though, is they start blaming the abused, okay? They are using group privilege. What do I mean by group privilege? Say they could be using their race because they are such and such a race, so everybody else is supposed to do this, and for them, they are just supposed to get every job and any job. The other way is you go in countries where it's a clan system. Oh, because they belong to a certain clan, they are supposed to do this. I'm in such and such a clan, and so I'm supposed to get this job. You could use race, Some people think because their race is this and that, they're entitled to this kind of uh, um, opportunities and they do actually get and abuse those things, those opportunities because of their race. It could be religion. You go in some places where the country is very quote-unquote religious and because of their religion, they suppress or oppress the minority religions. Okay? Or it could be tribal in many places in Africa because of they belong to a certain tribe. They think for them they're entitled to certain positions. They're entitled to this and the other. That is abuse of privilege. The privilege of the person in office is being now transcended and, and extended to everyone who is like them. That is favoritism. That is cronyism. That is wrong. And God does not allow that. Okay? You know, I'll tell you this, you know, you may say, oh, I'm not hurting anybody. I just got a job. Yes, you are. And one of the Proverbs says that um, when the evil rule, the people mourn. I remember uh, there's a very good friend of mine. um, Praise the Lord. He's going to be with the Lord now. Um, You may even know him without realizing that you know him. Uh, Those who liked Motown music from Detroit area. This guy played in the Motown records. He got, I think, a platinum for the trumpet he played in this particular song. Uh, if you know music, there's uh, a song by Motown Records. I think it's uh, it's called um, Papa Was a Rolling Stone by The Temptations. Remember the uh, great Motown Temptations? It was a smash hit. Papa Was a Rolling Stone. That song, okay? He played the trumpet in there. This guy was good. Actually, this guy was the godfather of one of my sons. And... Um, we were good friends. His name was Maurice Davis. He said, Sam, let me tell you something. If there's a pack of dogs and you throw a rock among them, the one that screams is the one that you hit. And then he would go on and say, now when that dog screams or hits you back, don't blame it for its reaction. You are the one who threw the rock. You are the one who caused the pain. So when that dog reacts back, don't say, oh, they reacted this way. So in the same way, when you hurt people because of misuse of your entitlement, they could react back anyway. 
If you slap somebody, don't also tell him how to cry. So you're going to cause a lot of pain but a lot of bad reaction when you do things the wrong way, okay? So now, what is the lesson we learned from this? One of the lessons I learned from this word of wisdom was that if in a disagreement with someone you are talking to, they tell you, they start hurting or crying or whatever, don't go saying to them, oh, you're taking it personal. You are the one who took it personal by throwing the rock in the pack of dogs. You hit that person. You hurt them one way or the other. Then it's up to you who started to personalize this rock that you threw. It's you who should be apologizing. Don't feel entitled by your position of being able to throw a rock or to say something. It's my right to say this. It's my right. No, that's when people use the entitlement of free speech to abuse other people. The entitlement of your position to abuse other people. And it's you who should instead go back to that person and say, oh, I apologize. I did not mean to hurt you. I did not mean to insult you. I didn't mean it that way. I'm sorry if I hurt you. That's different. That's reacting with responsibility, you know, using your entitlement that you have in this particular situation. And he told me always never to abuse people, to be sensitive Sam, you're ministering to people. Be sensitive to what they tell you. Not because they are wrong or right, but because it's a responsibility to minister to people. Many times, people who have authority or power or the anointing, they just say stuff just because, you know, they did a miracle the other day, so they think they can just say anything to anybody. But no, that is misusing entitlement. Then there's another one. Of, for the abusers, okay? The sons of Eli in the book of Samuel, and we shall go to that to show you how people use their ministry because of the uh, entitlement that they have as a family. The selfish culture of entitlement today is deep and is diametrically opposed to another spiritual culture or realm, the Ebenezer spirit. And we will see the difference between that spirit of selfishness and the spirit of Ebenezer. Now, remember we, uh, we talked about service? Okay, so now let us go into the selfish spirit first. The sons of Eli. Eli was taking care of the temple when Hannah, the mother of Samuel, came and prayed to have a child. Remember, she was praying and praying, and Eli said, Oh, are you drunk, woman? Ah, there we go. The first instance in this family of people misusing the entitlement they have. He was the priest of the temple, the head. And he is telling this woman, are you drunk? Instead of saying, what's going on? Even if says she was drunk, he would have come to her and said, hey, what's going on? But he said, are you drunk, woman? And she says, no, I'm not drunk. If you knew what's in my heart and what I'm pouring out to the Lord. Now, remember earlier we talked about that connection between God and you, spirit to spirit. She was connecting spirit to spirit to God. And here was a man in ministry. He had no idea. He thought he was drunk. No different than the disciples when they were in the upper room and they were speaking with other tongues and everybody was saying they must be drunk and it's nine in the morning. Okay. So here we have a man of God serving in the temple referring to this woman in prayer as if she was drunk. That's entitlement being misused. Remember, 
we are now doing an introspection of ourselves. We are looking at ourselves. So some of these things may seem like they're nothing, but when you think about it, it's we are forming character here. We are dealing with character, change of character. This man's character as a priest, as a minister of the gospel should change. The way he uses the words, is it reflecting God? Would God say the same thing? And the thing is, how do we communicate with God? So all these things are going to start tying in as we go on. Okay, so now here we go. The spirit of entitlement used the wrong way. Already we see it in Eli himself saying to Hannah, are you drunk? And we see that follows his sons along. You know, the high priest of Shiloh, Eli himself, he failed to discipline his sons, even though he discipled Samuel, the prophet. Hannah finally got a child. She brought Samuel, brought them to the temple and presented Samuel to Eli to train him into the things of God. And so now here was the mentor who discipled a prophet having two sons. One was called Hophni and the other one was called Phinehas. And these sons, they were just abusers of their position. You know, they felt entitled. And in fact, the Bible said they felt entitled to the portion of the uh, sacrifices that people brought to the temple, the offerings from the people. They acted like it was theirs, believing oneself to be inherently deserving of privilege or special treatment. This is what they were doing. So every time people came to the temple to give their offerings to God, they would ignore their objections. And Eli failed to talk to his sons. And we shall see what happened to them later in the scripture. In fact, let us read this uh, verse here. In 1 Samuel 2, 12 and 17, it says this, now the sons of Eli were scoundrels. Can you imagine when the Bible refers to you as a scoundrel? The sons of Eli were scoundrels who had no respect for the Lord or for their duties as priests. Whenever anyone offered a sacrifice, Eli's sons would send over a servant with a three-pronged fork. While the meat of the sacrifice animal was still boiling, the servant would stick the fork in the pot and demand that whatever is brought up is given to Eli's sons. All the Israelites who came to worship at Shiloh were treated in this way. Sometimes the servant, even before the animal's fat had been burned on the altar, he would demand raw meat before it had been boiled. The man offering the sacrifice might reply, take as much as you want, but the fat must be burned first. Then the servant would demand, nope, give it to me now or I'll take it by force. For the sin of these men was very serious in the Lord's sight, for they treated the Lord's offering with contempt. In fact, further on in First Samuel chapter um, 3, verse 14, it says this. This is God talking. First Samuel chapter 3, verse 12, it says, In that day I'll perform against Eli all the things which I have spoken concerning his house. When I begin, I'll also make an end. For I have told him that I'll judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth. Because his sons made themselves vile, and he restrained them not. And therefore I have sworn into the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be purged with sacrifice nor offering forever. Another version says it can never be atoned. Listen, if you let your children run rampant just because you're in a position of leadership and they're doing all these things to the people, 
not just in church not just in spiritual things not just in business because you own it quote unquote but also in political office and those sons may not be biological but everybody that you have mentored if you bring all those people that you have mentored to do these things to God's people God can take your whole house and look what happened here to Eli's house it will not be atoned forever when God says forever he means eternally Don't get your people cursed eternally because you failed to restrain them and that's all he needed to do because here the Bible says he failed to restrain them. Go read it again, 1 Samuel chapter 3 verse 12 to uh, 15. You're going to see what God would do to anybody who uses his position of entitlement or doesn't use it to correct his underlings. so that they go out there and start abusing what God has ordained for his people whether in church or in work don't forget when i go to work i am sacrificing unto the lord so if you let people be abused because you are in power in authority because you are the pastor because you are the priest because you are whatever authority you are you are bringing a curse upon your house because you are abusing entitlements entitlements is a privilege when you're entitled to something it's a privilege to serve okay and that's why jesus said that among you whoever wants to be the greatest should serve others you serve no one is where they are on their own you stand on the shoulders of many you didn't get there by yourself you did not create the state that you're governor of you did not create the county that you are county clerk of you did not create the country that you are president of so don't cause a curse upon your household or your underlings because of your failure to chastise and let them know the truth don't forget Eli was a priest a man anointed to train a prophet the prophet was Samuel okay but however interestingly you're going to see that the same thing happened to the sons of Samuel So you can see how this spirit can continue from generation to generation. Um the sons of Samuel were also abusers of entitlement. That despite their father's telling ministry, okay, Samuel was a man of God. He was a judge, okay, the last judge of of Israel. Their right to serve as judges was denied by the people. They seen as people who were misappropriating uh the entitlement that God gave them. Okay, 1 Samuel chapter 8 verse 1 through 2 and 4 through 5 says this. As Samuel grew old, he appointed his sons to be judges over Israel, Joel and Abijah. His oldest sons, they held court in Beersheba. Finally, all the elders of Israel met at Ramah to discuss the matter with Samuel. Look, they told him, you are now old and your sons are not like you. give us a king to judge like all the other nations have now look at the precedent that's being set remember god did not want israel to have a king he wanted to be their king but he appointed judges look at this string of chains this abuse of uh, entitlement we see eli this is a man who was training samuel the prophet but his sons were abusing the entitlement of sons of priests he is here training and mentoring samuel samuel turns out to be alright as a prophet and great prophet 
But then he too fails to teach his sons uh, the right way to handle entitlements. So now time comes and he appoints his sons as judges. But now see what's going to happen. People of Israel says, no, we're not going to have them. They cannot be our judges. Give us a king. Ah, now because of the abuse of entitlement from Eli to Samuel, now Israel is going to fall into the trap. And when it falls into the trap, guess who becomes their king? Saul. They say, uh, give us a king like everybody else. So the downhill spiral that led to the appointment of Saul as king, therefore started with the abuse of entitlement by the sons of Eli, then the sons of Samuel. The sin of a few can become the iniquity of a nation. It is going on from one family to another family to another family. And now the whole nation is somehow gripped by this spirit of abuse of entitlement through the appointment of Saul. Because the children of Israel, they said, we don't want your sons as judges over us. Instead, give us a king. Here was an in-house coup. They said no. But what's happening here is that the whole nation is now being gripped by this spirit of abuse of entitlement as we shall see. This is now entering from the spiritual, from the family abuse to the national abuse of political power. And we shall see Saul doing exactly that. His impatience in character. Remember we talk about character and skill and anointing? Well, his impatience in his character messes up his use of entitlements the correct way. And it led to God removing him from office. So those in leadership who abuse the uh, entitlement, which is the privilege to rule other people, whether it's them or those coming after them, be they related to them biologically or by appointment, they will lose because God is going to withdraw the anointing to rule from them. You know, the such leaders usually become the know-it-all. And that's what Saul did. He became the know-it-all. Uh, basically, the story was this. Samuel was out of town. He was the priest. He was the judge. And he was the prophet. Uh, there was a war going to uh, taking place. And he said, we are going to offer the Lord a burnt sacrifice. But I'll be back in seven days. And when I come back, then at that time we shall offer the Lord the uh, offering. Because he is the one who was appointed to do such a work. But here was a king, King Saul, who was the head of state. So we're going to see Saul, like many politicians today, they take abuse of power and authority you know, to levels outside their calling. They start doing things that they are not supposed to do. You know, a, a leader who knows everything. Yes, he's supposed to guide and help those people in different, um, say, Department of Education, Department of Energy. Yeah, he's, he's the one who is supposed to be their leader, but he should listen to the advice of the people who work, the people anointed to do that job. But we find it today that um, these leaders, they are the ones who know everything, okay? Um, many of them have changed the rules of the game on the way. It's amazing how China was starting to uh, elect its own leadership. Then suddenly the current leader of China changed the constitution so that he only can be a leader for life and until, I guess, he dies. Russia did the same thing. And many other nations do the same. They, they change the rules of the game as the game is being played. 
God is watching, okay? Because now these people become, they know it all for the national resources that God has given them as a privilege to administer to his people. Chaos takes over. Even when it looks like it is going so well, it's going to end up in chaos. Look what's happening in Russia right now. It invades another country. And this is not a political talk, but it's a reality of what's taking place. It walks into another nation, causes all this destruction and kills people. So let us read First Samuel uh, chapter 13, verse 7 through 10 and 12 through 14. It says this, I'm going to combine them. Some of them crossed over the Jordan River and escaped into the land of Gad and Gilead. Meanwhile, Saul stayed at Gilgal and his men were trembling with fear. Saul waited there seven days for Samuel as Samuel had instructed him earlier, but Samuel still didn't show up. Saul realized that his troops were rapidly slipping away, so he demanded, Bring me that burnt offering and the peace offering. And Saul sacrificed the burnt offering himself. Just as Saul was finishing with the burnt offering, Samuel arrived. Saul went out to meet and welcome him. The Philistines are ready to march against us at Gilgal, and I haven't even asked for the Lord's help. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering myself before you came. How foolish, Samuel exclaimed. You have not kept the command of the Lord your God gave you. Had you kept it, the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom must end. For the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. The Lord has already appointed him to be the leader of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. What was the Lord's command? The Lord's command was that wait for the man of God appointed and anointed for this situation to give a peace offering that there may not be war against the children of Israel, that there may be peace in the country. But this man took upon himself to become now the priest and give this offering. Listen, the Bible says that it's not about the sacrifice, but the obedience that God is after. He gave a sacrifice. God is not interested in that. He's interested in you obeying his instruction. He was the head of state, but not the priest of the nation. And here he was, taking it upon himself, his self-advice to do what he was not called to do. That does not please the Lord. And many people in leadership do exactly that. They think because they are the head, they can do anything, even when God has not anointed them to do that. So now we have to be careful that we do not abuse entitlements by doing more than what we have been called to do. God wants us to do exactly what he has anointed us to do and what he has called us to do. So, This abuse of power, taking you to do the things, and it doesn't have to be in a religious circle. It could be in any other uh, um, government department. Say, for for example, the United States um, president. Yes, he appointed all these people. Yes, he even appointed the judges. But he does not enter the courtroom and tell him what to do. You appointed him. All you did is show him the office so that his skill and character may continue to help you guide the nation. 
And that's how it works. But we abuse this. We use our privileges as um, belonging to a certain religion, belonging to a certain race, belonging to a certain tribe. And so you bring all your, um, your yes men, you bring them to office, and then the nation goes under. You are not getting the best of the breed. You are getting the rest of your creed. And there's a big difference. There's a big difference. And God does not like that. God will not accept that. If you're doing it in ministry, if you're doing it on your job, if you're doing it in your uh, go- uh, uh, government position that you've been called, to, uh, even anointed to be, you have to stop it because it doesn't matter who you are. There is an almighty God. Okay. Now, how do we overcome all this? What is the other spirit? The other spirit is what I call the Ebenezer spirit. Now, what is an Ebenezer? Actually, Ebenezer is a title that many times people use without understanding it. But Ebenezer really just means the stone of help. Why the stone of help? Israel had been in this place and they had been defeated, twice beaten. And when they won in this same place where they were beaten before, beaten cold, they decided, you know what? We need to give an offering to God. And Samuel erected a stone. And that stone, he called it Ebenezer. And Ebenezer means a stone of help. This is where God came to their help. So you have to find your Ebenezer in your life, the stone of help. As a nation, the stone of help. As even a church, the stone of help. As a family. And you have to erect it. And you have to remember that whatever you're doing is because of God. And then when you do that, you become an Ebenezer to your family. You become an Ebenezer to your nation. You become an Ebenezer to your church. Or whatever organization you are in leadership. That's what the spirit of Ebenezer is. That's when you use entitlement the right way. Not to feel entitled believing oneself to be inherently deserving of privileges or special treatment. This is the confidence that we have because he hears us. He answers us. Okay? So now, this Ebenezer, the spirit of Ebenezer, is what we are going to cover. And I'll give you some examples. Okay? So you can really understand and see from a biblical sense. Now let us first read in First Samuel chapter 4 verse 1 through 11 and you will see exactly what I mean. Okay, And then you will know what Ebenezer is. The Ebenezer is really a biblical site near Gilgal where in two battles the children of Israel were soundly defeated by the Philistines. I mean soundly defeated. And so it would be considered negatively in their history. However, in a turn of events in the third battle, the Israelites beat the Philistines, retrieving the Ark of Covenant that they had lost to them. Now, in the other battles, they had lost the Ark of Covenant. But this battle, the third one, they retrieved it from them. They took it, and in their thanksgiving, the Israelites, led by Samuel, set up a stone, stone markers all over the place, okay, and acknowledged that God miraculously came to their aid and so they named this the stone of help 
the stone stood upright. You know, they lifted it upright. And they call it Ebenezer. When you are a stone of help to people, when you serve people, when you use your entitlements to serve people, you become an Ebenezer. Today, a person who is an Ebenezer is a stone of help to others. You are used as a reminder of God's holy presence and his divine aid in any situation for other people. Okay, So anyone can be an Ebenezer. You can be an Ebenezer as long as you use your entitlements according to the, uh, to, to the character that God has put before you in this situation. You are an Ebenezer. Any of us can be one. Okay, You know, Ebenezers are often bearers of God's answer, fulfilling people's uh, prayers. You know, the scripture that I was talking about, 1 John 5 through 15 says this, And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. And what God does, he sends an Ebenezer situation. Many times it's people. You have been praying for something and then God uses an Ebenezer to help, to lift you up, to guide you, to lead you. Okay, I'll try to use three Bible characters to explain what uh, the term Ebenezer means. So be, uh, listen very carefully for, to these characters and see what the context, um, uh, you know, uh, the context they are in or operating. Then you know what an Ebenezer is. To me, Ebenezer is one of the dimensions of God's spirits that combines the spirit of lives of certain characters in the Bible. Remember, we talk about character. And the characters I'm going to use in this case is uh, Joseph, Nehemiah, and Ezra. Okay, They manifest at different times in your life as they did in the life of Israel. So now, look at these characters of these three people and so you, you can understand what Ebenezer means. The character of a person, the work of a person, or whatever it is of a person. And I'm going to use these people. Many of these stories we know, but if you don't, I'll try to make it as clear as possible. You know, Joseph was a leader, the mastermind, the forgiver, the generous provider. Look at that character. He was a leader. He was a mastermind. He was a forgiver, a generous provider, and effectively reached out afar to even those who hurt him. He never went back to the motherland. Never. He actually went back when he was dead. Only his lifeless bones went back, but he was able to bless that nation where he came from. He became the providing father to his family, to his nation, and to his host country as well. Despite being rejected by his brothers and sold into slavery and framed, jailed, he showed the power of love and forgiveness. So the story of Joseph, for those who don't know, he was a son of Jacob, one of the sons of Jacob. And his brothers were jealous of him because he kept telling them, oh, I had a dream, I was doing this. And they are like, hmm, this is a dreamer. He thinks he's going to be head of us and yet he's young. So what they did, one time they went out there to keep the animals. First they put him in a deep well. So his brothers sold him into slavery. He was bought by Egyptians. He was taken to Egypt. Instead, he found himself to work in the palace of the, of, of the Pharaoh, the leader of Egypt. When he got there, he was such a good worker, and his wife fell for him because he was a handsome man, tried to have an affair with him. 
But Joseph, because of integrity, remember the character of integrity? He said, no, he can't do that. What the uh, Pharaoh's wife did, she screamed like he was raping her. They ended up putting him in jail. But while he was in prison, he got favor. He made a prediction to some of those people who were in jail but were released and they had um, favor with the Pharaoh. So when Pharaoh had a dream that no one could interpret, they called on Joseph, that this Hebrew boy who was in jail with us, who was in prison with us, and he could tell us what we dreamed. So he went and told the dream to the Pharaoh, and the Pharaoh elevated him. And in that uh, leadership role, famine hit the whole place, including where he came from, Everybody was coming to Egypt because he had a plan where they saved food for Egypt. And the Egyptians were not starving. But he was generous enough that these other people started coming from surrounding areas, nations, and they were also getting food from him. Guess who came? His own family came. But because now he has grown and changed, they didn't know who he was. But he forgave them the character that I'm talking about, the character of forgiveness of God, the character of mercy was upon him. And love, he showed love to even those who had tormented him and sold him. He showed love. That character, that is an Ebenezer. That is the character of knowing how to use your entitlements. You become a stone of help to other people. And that's what Joseph did. Now, the other character is Nehemiah. Nehemiah was a visionary, a strategist, and an organizer. He wanted to defend. The story of Nehemiah was very similar. He was working in the king's palace in exile, and he was thinking about his people. The people in the diaspora were telling him, oh, it's so bad back home. So one time he came to serve the king, and he was unhappy. And the king said, hey, I know you are not sick. Why do you look so unhappy? And then the Bible says he prayed quickly to God. Lord, let me have favor with this man. A quick prayer with impact. And then he came back and said, how can I be happy when my a place where I come from is in ruins? The wall around Jerusalem is all messed up. And the king said, there ain't anything I can do. This is a man who was serving the king and who had no help. Now he turns around and is instructing the king what to do. What did he say? He says, oh, yeah, give me uh, soldiers to protect me on my way and I need wood to build me a home when I get there and to, to rebuild the wall around Jerusalem. And so he made a deal with him. When are you coming back? So he promised to come back. And he says, okay, go, get everything you want. And now listen, he is now telling the king, I need this, could you write this too? Tell the governors here to do this and this, and I need safe passage. That is the spirit of Ebenezer. He now became the stone of help for his people. Through him, God is fulfilling the promises of Jeremiah 29:11. What do they say? I have a plan for you, a plan for good and not for evil a plan to help you prosper. Prosper in the ways that, that you do things. He became a stone of help to his people. Now he's using his advantage, his entitlements in the king's palace. He's using them to serve others. He's using them to get something for his suffering people. 
That's the spirit of Ebenezer. He became a stone of hell. And finally, the last one is Ezra. Ezra was another one. He was an encourager. And I, I, I admonish you to look up these stories of these people. Their books are short, but they are very, very telling about the spirit of uh, uh, Ebenezer. He was an encourager, a spiritual leader, an empowerer. He was wise and a spiritual counselor to his people. He led his people to recommitting to God after the exile. He led them in prayer and worship of God. He exemplified the redeeming power of the grace of God. Remember we talked about the grace of God in the beginning? Thus, uh, as empowerment, is by grace of God. Here is a man, Ezra. They have just come back from exile and he is the one leading them spiritually. He served the spiritual needs of the nation. Unlike the sons of Eli and the sons of Samuel, this man here became an Ebenezer, a stone of hell. He was not rejected. He became an encourager. In fact, the Bible says he led them in prayer of repentance from sun up to sundown. Through rain they prayed all day long until sundown. And guess what? By the end of the day, they were crying repentance to God. And God did marvelous works for these people who were coming back from exile. So, my friend, you can be an Ebenezer. I'm praying that you become an Ebenezer in your life. Whatever God has called you to do, whatever the skill God has given you, use those skills as an Ebenezer so that the entitlement and anointing that come with it are to serve. Remember, don't use your entitlement to abuse others. Don't use your entitlement to abuse your authority or your position, but instead use it to be an Ebenezer for other people, for your nation, for your church, for your neighborhood, for your household. Be an Ebenezer. We can all be one. So I'm going to pray. Short impact prayer. I believe in praying with impact. I believe when you get the word of God in full. When you pray, you'd be like Jesus. You pray with impact. When Jesus went to the tomb of Lazarus, he said, Lazarus, come out. Short prayer, it worked. How about the prayer of Jabez? The man prayed a very short prayer. But you know how many ministries have been formed? How many people have been changed? By that one-liner changed a lot of people, even in our generation, okay? So we're going to pray with impact. I'm a man who believes in praying with impact and teaching people to pray with impact because not every situation calls us to um, have overnight prayers. My calling is to teach you to pray with impact by knowing the full word of God, okay? Father, I thank you for willing to have a, a relationship with us through your spirit, for showing us how to use the entitlement of your listening and hearing our prayers and answering them is a service not just to us, but to also the nation, to the people that we lead, the people we come across, the families that we are in. Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, I thank you for the word that you've given us today. Let us be an Ebenezer. Let us use the entitlements that you give us the correct way and the right way. In this generation, Father, help us to know that we are entitled as a privilege to serve. Teach us to be an Ebenezer, 
to those who are suffering, to those who are marginalized, and let us never ever use our entitlements to abuse others, to deprive others, to mislead others, to torture others, whether mentally, physically, just because we have the power and authority to. Let us be a people who work. We ask you all this in the mighty name of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is here with us, who through his spirit empowers and gives us the skills to do the things that we do. Amen and amen. Okay, thank you my friends for listening in. And I want you to go over this podcast. It was a little long, but I believe and I know that when you're done with it, you will be blessed. In the name of Jesus, be blessed. Amen. Thank you.